Coming up on today's Locked On Big Ten, Jay Stevens is in to recap another crazy weekend in the conference in which each of the side's leaders in the divisions went down. We'll break it all down here on Locked On Big Ten. We've got a lot to get to here on a Monday. You are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single weekday. It's a Monday, and that means Jay Stevens is in from Locked On Buckeyes. Be sure to make Locked On Buckeyes your second listen whenever you're done here at Locked On Big Ten. We've got plenty to discuss here with Jay today. Another big upset in the Big Ten that shakes up everything going on in this conference, both inside the standings and nationally, too. We'll get to all of that with Jay here in just a second. But first, Jay, a good weekend for your Buckeyes. Another win. You weren't too happy at the end of it. We'll let you talk about that later on in the show. But how are you feeling here on a Monday after another weekend and one in which it looks like your Buckeyes are going to end up back in the top four in the college football playoff rankings. Potentially. We don't know what I never want to guess what that committee is going to do. <laughs> no, you can't guess what they're going to do. I'm, I'm feeling, doing pretty well, man. It's a, it's a Monday teams like Ohio state are celebrating a victory. Some may have mixed emotions, but in college football, especially at this point in the season wins for Ohio state and other teams that are in the top of the country, they mean everything. Wins are amazing. Purdue's win is also amazing. It's a lot to talk about. Let's get right into that Purdue upset. Purdue knocked off Iowa earlier in the year. Now takes down number three Michigan State. First loss for the Spartans. But this Purdue team looks really, really good. I think that's the biggest question now as Purdue has done this twice already and faces off against your Ohio State Buckeyes this weekend. We've talked about it all season, Jay. All sorts of teams have a good enough defense here in this Big Ten to be able to make anything interesting any given Saturday. But is any offense going to be able to stack up the way that Ohio State is going to every week like we know? Purdue's now put up points against an Iowa defense. It put up 40 points against a Michigan State defense that, uh, again, had been doing really, really well at times enough to obviously win them all their games. Purdue also does a really nice job slowing down Kenneth Walker III as well after his breakout performance against Michigan and the Wolverines. Is this Purdue team that kind of a two-dimensional? Not to, to compete in anything, obviously, nationally. They've already considered themselves out of that. But with what this team can bring in and say this game this weekend against Ohio State, I mean, the Buckeyes will be ready for it now, especially after the last week. But can this Purdue team be that kind of good against an Ohio State talent like that? Can it? Yes. Can it happen for four quarters? I don't know. This Purdue team's always been interesting, and they had an injury earlier in the season to Xander Horvath, their starting running back. They had a little damper, a little bad stretch there. And I see what happened. They still don't have a consistent running game. If I look at their numbers from here very quickly, their rushing attack, they averaged 1.9 yards a carry. The uh, uh, Anthrop had 2.8 yards a carry. Horvath had 2.4. Uh, Daru had 2.5. So they're not really going to get the yards per carry that you're going to want. But I think what that did for Jeff Brom, the coach, 
he figured out what quarterback fit his system the best, which quarterback was the best, not Palmer, but it's O'Connell. And then O'Connell goes into this game. I wasn't expecting a 500-yard performance from him, but that's amazing. That's exactly what we got, 536 yards to be exact, three touchdowns. Also another amazing day for David Bell, 11 carries, 217 through the air, one touchdown. I think that absence from Horvath allowed them to find ways to move the ball without him, even though they don't have a running game right now, that absence really helped their passing attack be as good as what it is right now. Yeah, and O'Connell's been outstanding it again times for Purdue in, in the biggest moments, especially, which is obviously what matters most for this team that, that's in kind of the middle of the Big Ten trying to make a name for itself. It's certainly done that over the course of the last few weeks. It was obviously a huge upset, but nationally it'll obviously shake up things in the college football playoff rankings. We already mentioned Ohio State. I think it should go up to four now unless things happen weird. But where do you think Michigan State drops it down to? We saw Iowa take a swift drop when it lost to Purdue. Michigan State was number three undefeated, had already beaten Michigan, and Purdue has already shown it's not too bad. How far down does this Spartan team go? I'm thinking they're going to still be in the top 10. I think they might find a way to keep them ahead of Michigan because they won the head-to-head matchup. I don't like how the committee did the Ohio State-Oregon thing, saying we're going to use this head-to-head matchup in this spot because you're going to have to use that in other areas. I understand why they did it, but I think in the Michigan State-Michigan matchup, if those teams played again, you might get a different performance and you might say the Wolverines are better. I do think it's a toss-up between those two teams. So I do think you're going to get them in the top 10. I do think they're still going to be above the Wolverines because they won that head-to-head matchup. Michigan's good. Now, granted, the Indiana team has their own issues, but I do think Michigan's good. I, I The whole landscape, Michigan's going to be top 10. I do believe that right now. Committee is very unpredictable. If they were outside of the Michigan State, excuse me, top 10. If the committee says, well, we're going to throw everything out the window and start from scratch and puts Sparty outside of the top 10, I think they could find a reason to justify that. I don't think I would agree with that justification. Well, Jay, it really shakes up things across the Big Ten, and it leads me into the question that I want to ask kind of leading into the rest of our recap, which we'll get to later on. But uh, we've started, or at least I'm going to try and start up asking these questions to everyone before we end our first segment. We didn't have much co-hosts just able to join us, just kind of a schedule conflicts last week, so we didn't get to do it much. But I, I remember asking you about the upsets last week. This week, I want to ask just kind of with how, where everything's at in the Big Ten right now. Would we rather have this, where the Big Ten's beating up on each other, and we have teams like Purdue and Illinois really, really messing with the way things are getting balanced here? Or would you rather right now still have your Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Iowa, Penn State, have those teams be unblemished by everything else, have a much heavier, obviously, top of the conference, but a much weaker considered bottom half? I mean, I guess I'm thinking of it considering – like in a way i'd rather i don't know i'm looking at the sec right i don't know if that's the way to do it or if the way the big Ten's done it is the way to do it now but i'm wondering would you rather have everyone still be undefeated in the way it was a few weeks ago or are you okay with the way that things have been playing out right now i'm perfectly okay with the way things have been unfolding because at some point throughout the season 
you're going to have to have a Michigan State, a Michigan, a Penn State, and Ohio State. All four of them are going to have to play somebody. I do think that it's great for the conference that this coming week, I do believe, and don't quote, I'm going to look this up here very quickly. I want to say this coming week is a Penn State-Michigan matchup on the road for the Wolverines. Yes, Michigan, Michigan goes to Penn State this upcoming week. It is a 12 o'clock game. I know going into the game, the season, I was like, oh, a second, a second wideout for Penn State. Sorry, Penn State's outside of the top 25, um, I believe, in one of the two polls. Don't, don't quote me on which on, on both of them. But, no, I, I, I like this. I firmly like the, how the things are going. I still think nationally people respect the Big Ten right now, the top of the Big Ten, as much as they respect the, the top of the SEC. And I think if you look at the polls, you might find there's a lot of good football being played from Big Ten, Big Ten schools right now. That's why there are 30 – there are so many, not 30, so many littered throughout the top 25 of both the AP and the coaches. Well, I'm perfectly fine with the way things are going because no matter what, they're going to have to happen at some point throughout the season. Happen now. Get those battle wounds right now to the conference championship game. And no matter what bowl game you're in, you know we have been tested and we are we have what it takes to win another tough matchup. Still like to see a contender in that west side of the conference, though, but it's still going to be fun to watch the way that both sides play out. Uh, it was maybe a little bit different now how we look at maybe that west side of the conference, especially after the way that things churned out over the weekend. We'll talk to Jay about that here in just a minute. You're listening into Locked On Big Ten. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Now, Prize Picks has daily fantasy sports, but I know what you're thinking. Daily fantasy sports has been around for a while. These guys do it a little bit different, give you more opportunities, though, than all those other sites. At Prize Picks, you can not only use your daily fantasy sports and play the way you always have, you can also play with college players, Power Five, Group of Five, all of them, in ways that other sites just don't offer. They've got a greater selection of college athletes to play with than any other site out there so head on over to prizepicks.com right now or download the prize picks app in the app store check out the product and of course if you ever sign up use the promo code locked on they'll give you a 100% match on your first deposit up to $100 that's prize picks and our promo code locked on helping us get you the show today Back in on Locked On Big Ten. Thanks again for making Locked On Big Ten your first listen every weekday. Be sure to tune in to Locked On Buckeyes as well, Monday through Friday. Jay Stevens is on, filling you in with everything you need to know about Ohio State. We're going to get to the Buckeyes and their win over Nebraska, every win over the weekend in the Big Ten, starting with maybe the biggest surprise of the weekend outside of, of course, Penn State and Michigan State. The biggest surprise on the other side of the Big Ten in the West, the leaders of that side of the conference right now or at least at the time minnesota goes down to illinois picks up another big win over an at the time ranked opponent minnesota probably won't be ranked after this one i don't i guess polls will come out I, i'm sure they're not ranked anymore but anyway the gophers fall in a game in which i was saying last week jay i was worried about minnesota's offense being able to show up in a way to be able to beat illinois by the two touchdowns that they were favored by I was not concerned about Minnesota winning the game outright. Again, I had said that over the course of the last couple of months, the Gophers had shown they had been one of the most stable teams in the Big Ten by being able to get that offensive line right, get that defense playing strong again. 
And that running game was just phenomenal no matter who you had in the backfield. It was able to do things like shore up when you got the bad Tanner Morgan out there. But the bad Tanner Morgan comes out to play at Minnesota last weekend to the point of only scoring a single touchdown. I think it was 13 to seven was the final score. Was it 14 to six or something? Someone scored a touchdown. Someone had field goals in there too. But anyway, the point is Minnesota didn't have any sort of offense after at least showing me it it had had enough to be able to guarantee me something every single week. It gave me nothing last week. And now the Gophers are not only off the top of the Big Ten West, but also off my list of favorites in that side of the conference too, or at least my list of being the favorite in that side of the conference. We'll get to that in a minute. But right now the Gophers are looking like a team that has some sort of big flaw to try and figure out. I got to say, I wasn't watching a whole lot of that game because again, uh, Michigan State Purdue was, oh no, Michigan State Purdue was the later side of the game. Oh, this was the game I was watching, looking at while Ohio State, was Ohio State at noon too? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, yes, those two games I was switching back and forth from. But anyway, the point being, Minnesota has something to figure out here on offense. But what about Illinois? Brett Bielema has had two good wins now. Why is this team able to do things? Again, this was a team that's supposed to be at the bottom of the conference this year. I do believe for this Illinois football team, their bread and butter is not giving the ball to the quarterback. It's so weird. Look at the numbers. You watch the game, you see highlights from the game, and you're like, okay, great. Brown has another amazing game, 30-plus touches, uh, carries, excuse me, 150 on the ground, yards per carry isn't there. But that's kind of what you need from this team right now to move the ball. You got to have a running back that gets over 100 yards. They're not going to score all the points. Brandon Peters, he's not the best quarterback, seven of nine, not even 100 passing yards. But he did score a crucial point, crucial touchdown, roll out to the right, touchdown. I may have been to the tight end, forget exactly who caught that pass. That's what was needed. Also, defensively. You may not know about this because I don't remember. I don't remember the remember the last time, but I wonder when the last time Minnesota not only didn't run for 100 rushing yards, they didn't have a 100 yard rusher. That's Illinois' mm-hmm. bread and butter. Think about back to the Penn State game. Well, you know Sean Clifford's hurt, and Penn State can't already run. They can't run the ball, so all of a sudden, you know, we have a certain way to slow them down. We also know where we can attack them. The same type of thing. Minnesota Tanner Morgan. He's a solid quarterback, not the amazing type of quarterback. He's a solid quarterback starter in the Big Ten. But he needs a running back behind him to do things, to get things done. When you don't have that, Minnesota can't do much in a game successful. And that's why they lost to an Illinois team that's really not that good. Yeah, but I mean, Minnesota's, again, offensive line had been there to a point where the running game was going to be there no matter how good the running backs really were playing. But Minnesota was still having outstanding running back play. It got slowed down a lot, and Minnesota's offense gets pretty much drawn to a complete stop as a result. Gophers, again, they fall off the top of the Big Ten West. The team that may now have at least control, I I don't know if they have like outright control of tiebreakers at the moment, but at least in the minds of the people of the Big Ten, the Wisconsin Badgers dropped a 50-burger on Rutgers over the weekend. I mean, I I still don't trust Graham Mertz against a really good defense, (laughs) Jay, but he put up really good points against a Rutgers team that is a Rutgers team. So take with it what you will. 
But right now, out of all the teams in the Big Ten West, nobody's playing better than the Wisconsin Badgers. You can't, I don't think, not at least be taking a look at them if you're trying to put your money somewhere right now. You kind of have to, man. I mean, 45 unanswered points in this game. You only give up three points. I know, I remember last week, Nate, you asked if there was a way, if there was a team that could pull off an upset this weekend, this weekend that just was, that we just witnessed, who, what team could pull off an upset? I went Rutgers. I know the spread said no. I should have gone more with Vegas because Vegas said, well, Michigan State, Purdue, that's a three-point game. How about you just go ahead and take the Boilermakers to upset Sparty? But I did not go to the obvious. I went to a game like this, and I was dead wrong. I was not expecting Graham Mertz to throw three touchdown passes for him to look better than he had in quite a while. I was not expecting Noah Bedrill to look like he did that game. I wasn't expecting a lot of the things that happened. We know Wisconsin's defense is really good. If Graham Mertz, this is a big ask, a big if, if he could continue and start to get some type of consistent play, I'm not asking him to throw 400 yards every single week in four touchdowns. I'm not asking that. I think that's outside of the kind of quarterback that he is. But if he can get some consistency in the play that he has every single week, they might be in the Big Ten championship game the first weekend in December. Ohio State beat Nebraska. It was a game that, uh, again, didn't come down exactly to the wire, but it was a lot closer than Buckeyes fans wanted it to be throughout. Adrian Martinez, it was up and down, but the Buckeyes weren't able to put together the points that we had seen consistently from them in this season. I was, again, as I mentioned, watching for most of this time, Minnesota lose to Illinois, but what exactly was it as I was able to switch over and watch Nebraska fight to try and get to Ohio State at the end of that game? What was it that the Cornhuskers were able to do throughout those first three quarters where I wasn't watching all that much that made this such a close matchup late? This is back-to-back weeks where Ohio State's rushing attack has been slowed by the opposing front seven. Got to give credit to Penn State the previous week. Got to give credit to Nebraska this week, those guys up front confused and muddy things up. And we got to see, we've seen some flaws from the Ohio State offensive line over the past couple of weeks that you really didn't see previously. You saw some early, saw some against Oregon, saw some against Tulsa. But from Akron on, you really didn't see many issues from the Ohio State offensive line. However, Penn State, you saw some, you saw some against Nebraska. They have dudes on that side of the ball, the 381st straight consecutive almost a thousand 381st consecutive sellout for the nebraska cornusker fans i mean it's amazing that scene the sound it's amazing what they have done there over and over and over and over even through the like the media talks about the bad times that, that nebraska has the fans still show up and cheer every single time there's a game you got to give credit to that the ohio state rushing attack ohio state for some reason the past couple weeks has gone to a one back system Yeah, they've had other backs play, but it's primarily been Travion Henderson. I think he flourishes when he's not the premier back and he's not getting all the carries. I wonder if next week we'll see Ryan Day go back and using two running backs because that's a great way to change things up for the opposition. And Ohio State lost a tough game. No, won a tough game to Nebraska. I think it was a needed game. People look and say Nebraska sucks. That's a lot of talent. That's a team that has good, that has talent just can't figure out how to close games and figure things out on special teams. 
All right, Jay, let's take it through the rest of the Big Ten here before we let you go. Uh, nothing really, really huge I wanted to talk about. Iowa didn't run away from Northwestern. There's something to discuss there. Penn State and Maryland put together a game similar to pretty much what I kind of expected that game to be. And Indiana and Michigan was sloppy, bad, and Michigan pulled away before it was over. Uh, anything from those games that you think are big takeaways? Uh, obviously, I think the Hawkeyes are the biggest headline there, just their inability to continue to to do what they've done on offense. But that's a story we've told before, too. Kind of just two unfortunate things for a couple of teams. Maryland, you're asking a lot. Oh, my goodness. So much for Talia Tonga-Vailoa. When you have players that are injured, when your offense is not the offense that people may expect the Mike Loxley offense to be, just not just injuries and things that really dampened that team. I feel sorry for him for everything he's being asked to do, especially up against a Penn State defense. That is really good. That's an unfortunate thing. Another one, another unfortunate for the Indiana Hoosiers. I mean, a lot of expectations. Maybe they were too high. I thought this was an eight-win football team. Didn't really. I thought it, and then I realized, wait, they play a lot of good football teams this year, including Cincinnati in the non-conference. Really unfortunate for them. Unfortunate also, starting quarterback Michael Penix Jr. is out backup Jack Tuttle is out you're playing a third string quarterback who is a freshman just two unfortunate situations injuries have really hurt a lot of the success that two schools have had I can go deeper to the Indiana Hoosiers I won't just really unfortunate situations for two schools that thought they were going to have more success on the offensive side of the ball yep and and it's more stuff to talk about another day but right now we got to let you go, Jay, and we've got to get real quick before we let you go. I want to kind of get your look going forward. You've got Purdue this weekend. I'll ask you about that matchup. It's not the only big one this weekend. We've got Iowa playing Minnesota. We'll get to more on that as things continue along the week. But obviously, you're a Buckeyes guy. We'll ask you about the matchup here with the Boilermakers. I already alluded to this before at the start of the show, but I'll let you get your final thoughts here before we let you go. What do you think the fight will be that Purdue is able to put up against Ohio state in this matchup. The fight I've been battling with this very thing. Are you going to ask me this for about a yes, day? I was very, I was very careful not to ask about any sort of winning or losing. Cause that's a little bit too easy. What about, what kind of fight do you think Purdue can put here? Well, I'm, I'm I, there's, there's two players that I'm worried about George Carl Loftus mm-hmm. and David Bell. I don't know. I don't know how Ohio state slows down Carl Loftus. I, do, I have a theory. I don't think Ohio State would do it to slow down David Bell. So if I say it's just one thing, it's more so Carl Loftus because with the issues that the offensive line has had at Ohio State and Stroud getting rattled, Day getting away from the things that make this offense flow and move and be so swift to move down the field, that's one thing that worries me. He's not just a defensive end. He can also play inside. He's 285 pounds. He had a scoop and score earlier in the season. I mean, this guy is amazing. A future probably top 10 pick in next year's NFL draft. All the talk is David Bell, and that's something we'll talk about all week on Locked on Buckeyes. George Carl Loftus, Loftus, excuse me, he worries me, scares me, because I'm not sure the offensive line will – call the will be able to work as individuals or as a team to move him when they need to all right that's jay stevens of locked on buckeyes you'll be able to of course hear all of the things you need to know leading up to that game between ohio state and purdue this weekend by tuning into the podcast every weekday monday through friday you make big 10 your first listen 
second listen locked on buckeyes head on over there with jay he'll be back on monday to recap everything that happens over the weekend this week in the big 10 kevin mcguire is back in tomorrow with more in what happened over the weekend last week we'll get more into it with kevin there on our tuesday show until then thanks again jay for coming on we'll talk to you next week today's episode of locked on big 10 is brought to you in part by built bar Built Bar has been around the program for a while now. It's the protein bar with everything you need as far as nutrition goes. They've got, obviously, the protein, at least 15 grams at every bar, but low carbs, low sugar, low fat, and giving you that great flavor and 100% chocolate in every bar, too. It really is a miracle worker what they're doing over at Built.com, so head on over to the website and check out their new flavors. During this month, they're giving out a new flavor every three to four days limited edition flavors coming in for you to try out so head on over to built.com right now again use our promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off your order and when you try it out i promise you're going to enjoy the flavors you choose because there's going to be as you look at the huge list just a few that stick out to you as oh wait that sounds like it could be really good go try it out right now built bar is the place to go for your protein. It's built.com and our promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at the site. Nate Dickinson back with you here. You're listening into Locked On Big Ten. Wrapping things up today, uh, thanks again to Jay Stevens for joining us on the program. As always, tune in to Locked On Buckeyes whenever you're done here with Locked On Big Ten. As your first listen, make Locked On Buckeyes and the rest of the Big Ten podcasts your second listens of the day. Go find your school. If we've got a show for them, I guarantee they're doing a good job of keeping you up to date on what you need to know. Again, Monday through Friday. Again, before we let you go, I wanted to give you my takes on something I asked Jay earlier about where we're at with the Big Ten Conference in j- just the national rankings right now. Because as I talked about with Jay, there are still plenty of teams at the top here. Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State all have a path to the college football playoff, if you ask me, of course. But there are still the questions of what would or could have been if, say, an Iowa, a Wisconsin, had really, really showed up on that other side of the West, I guess Iowa being the latest candidate, and stayed strong as a top contender in the country. Would the Big Ten have been able to put two teams in? Can it still, even though one of them would be without a Big Ten title game and not even playing in Indianapolis, it seems, at this point? That's another question for another day. I've asked it before. I will ask it again, I'm sure. It's one of the things that intrigues me most. But right now, even though all this is fun, I can't help but thinking that the Big Ten is messing itself up a little bit by letting teams like Purdue and Illinois take down top contenders. I mean, Purdue being good is fine. Illinois winning a few games is fun. But when it comes to the big scheme of things, nobody's really going to think of that Purdue loss as a really, really good loss. It's better now, sure, for Iowa than it was when they initially lost to the Boilermakers. But losing to Illinois, for instance, that doesn't help anybody as far as getting Big Ten teams in the college football playoff, getting the best Big Ten games throughout the regular season, or getting the best Big Ten championship game. It helps for, obviously, the excitement and just straight-up parody of the conference. But I can't help but think here, remember a few weeks ago when everyone was undefeated and we were talking about the Big Ten having, what was it, five of the top ten? It wouldn't still be that way, but there were ways definitely for the Big Ten to be dominating these college football playoff polls if top teams didn't slip up. And obviously it's just the way it plays out, but 
I can't help but wonder where we would be right now as a position from a conference standpoint going into these last few weeks if these teams like, say, Michigan State, Iowa, had not messed up against the teams they weren't supposed to. If these were the big games, Michigan, Michigan State playing undefeated, that's the only one we're going to get now. We thought we might get Michigan, Ohio State, and that's still going to be likely the biggest game left on the schedule now for these two teams. We have now Michigan, Michigan, or Michigan State, Ohio State that doesn't mean as much. Uh, Iowa, Minnesota doesn't mean as much this weekend. It's games that we thought were going to be huge, huge, are still huge, but just don't have the biggest implications anymore because some of the lower teams in the Big Ten are taking away some of that glory. It's not bad. It's just something I think I would have rather taken the other side and gotten what we're looking forward to now instead of some of the upsets that we've had already. Just my side of it, though. Jay obviously already said he was on the other end. Again, this has been Locked On Big Ten. Tune into the show every single day. Subscribe wherever you're listening right now. And subscribe to your team's Locked On podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm back in on Tuesday with Kevin McGuire. We'll talk more from over the weekend in the Big Ten. Until then, Nate Dickinson here with Locked On.